Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, it's New Year's Day. It's the first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of the church year. Our readings for this first Sunday of Advent might strike you as a bit odd. There's nothing in them about the coming of Christmas or about the arrival of the Christ child. Rather, all the readings for this week, for this first week of the church year, are about the second coming of Jesus. During Advent, we call to mind Christ's arrival in history at Christmas. We also are aware of Christ's arrival now in our hearts. But the third theme, and the readings are focused on it, is the second coming of Jesus in glory at the end of time. We need to reflect on this theme, which was so central to the authors of the New Testament. We are, in this sense, permanently an Advent people, since we, as the liturgy puts it, wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But what does this mean? What is this doctrine of the second coming all about? Well, we can learn something very important about it from each of our three readings. Let's begin with the second reading. It's a very precious text. The second reading is taken from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. That's the earliest Christian document we have. That's the first text of the New Testament ever written. Written probably in the early 50s of the first century. How important then that we meditate on this. What do we find? Paul tells this little church which he had founded to be ready for the coming of the Savior. Listen. Strengthen your hearts to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all his holy one. Here's the authentic voice of Paul very early on in his time as a missionary. Paul had seen the risen Jesus. I'll say it again. Paul saw with his own eyes the risen Jesus. And everything else in his life fell away. Or better, was seen anew in light of this event. So powerful was the vision of the risen Christ that everything Paul had considered central, the law, his livelihood, his own tradition, now appeared to him as rubbish. That's his own word. Everything had to be rearranged around this massive new reality of a crucified man having come back from the dead. You know, I've said it before to you, but I'll say it again. 
Without the resurrection, the whole New Testament falls apart. Christian faith falls apart. The resurrection is the event around which everything else revolves. Without it, nothing else makes sense. And Paul witnesses to this better than anybody. A crucified man, through the power of the Holy Spirit, returned from the dead. Now everything's got to change. It convinced Paul of something. Convinced him that God is truly the Lord of history. That all the suffering, anxiety, and injustice of the world would be conquered. And that a new life on high and a transformed world was now open to us. Do you think for a second, Christians, you look at the world, and you say, well, you know, at best, it seems to be a battle between good and evil. And if we're honest, it looks as though evil usually is carrying the day. Watch this tension all up and down the Old Testament. The prophets wrestle with it. Lord, how long? Lord, when will you show yourself the Lord of history? When will your ways be accomplished on the earth? We feel those same questions in our bones, don't we? When Paul saw the risen Jesus, he knew, yes, God is the Lord of history. He knew, yes, God's promises are coming true. He knew that God's justice now is prevailing. What follows is a clear and simple obligation. Start living your life now in accord with the coming Christ. Wait and watch for Him. Why? Because this new world is undoubtedly coming. Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's the first sign of what God intends to bring to the world. In fact, Paul was so struck, so overwhelmed by the resurrection of Jesus that he thought this new world of God's justice was breaking in in his own lifetime. He felt the eschaton, the end of things, was chronologically at hand. Now, we'll quarrel with that detail of his assessment, because Jesus didn't come back within Paul's lifetime. Nevertheless, his central vision remains right. God is the Lord. God is breaking through. God's justice is arriving. See, look, we're tempted away from a life of virtue and love precisely because of the negativity of the world. It's violence, it's hatred, it's deception, it's stupidity. They seem so massively dominant, don't they, sometimes? I mean that personally, I mean it geopolitically. It just seems as though the darkness of the world holds sway. And therefore, we are tempted to cooperate with these dark powers. We're tempted to give in. A life of virtue, a life of love, a life of justice. Who needs them? In fact, that just gets us in trouble. We tend then to be overwhelmed by the powers of the world. How can we possibly resist the darkness? Paul is telling the Thessalonians, and through them he's telling us, in light of Christ risen from the dead, 
That old world is marginalized. That old world is disempowered. That old world, in fact, is passing away. It might look impressive, it might look powerful, but it has been defeated by the power of God. And therefore, it's time to live in accord with Christ. Because when you do so, you are on the winning side of history. Yes, as Jesus Himself said, the meek will inherit the earth. So wake up and get to work. Now, let's glance at the first reading from the prophet Jeremiah. Does this looking to the risen Christ make us indifferent to the suffering of the world? Oh, our heads are in the clouds now, waiting for Christ to return, pie in the sky when you die. No, just the contrary. Listen now to the wonderful passage from the book of Jeremiah the prophet. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days I will raise up for David a just shoot. In those days Judah shall be safe and Jerusalem shall dwell secure. The Lord is our justice. That's Jeremiah the prophet. What's the promise he's talking about? It's the assurance that through God's power, one day all will be well. That through God's power, justice, right order, will flourish here below in a transformed world. Listen, there is no race on earth better acquainted with degradation and injustice than biblical Israel. Yet, because of their faith, they hoped in this better world to come. Listen sometimes to the sermons of Martin Luther King, and you will hear this apocalyptic logic, this logic of the prophet Jeremiah. Remember that great speech that King gave to his followers when they were tempted to give in in their struggle. He said, How long? Not long. How long, O Lord? Not long. Because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. That's right out of Jeremiah. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will establish justice on the earth. All present evidence to the contrary notwithstanding, the prophet envisions God's day. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead was the signal to the first Christians that this world of justice was breaking in. And therefore, it is time to get to work. It's time to struggle because we're on the winning side when we do so. King believed in his bones in the resurrection of Jesus. He, he looked to the coming of the Lord's day. And that made him not indifferent to the struggles of the world, but it made him a warrior. Finally, a glance at the Gospel. The passage is taken from the Gospel of Luke, known as the Little Apocalypse. Here's the setting. The disciples have been gazing up at wonder at the temple in Jerusalem. Undoubtedly, the most impressive and beautiful thing any of them had ever seen. Think of these 
fishermen from Galilee to see the magnificent temple in Jerusalem, the walls, the sanctuaries, the jewels and decorations. They were in awe of it. But Jesus interrupts their contemplation with the most extraordinary observation. Listen. Not one stone that you see will be left on another. All will be torn down. Imagine your 8th grade teacher telling you as you gaze up admiringly at the U.S. Capitol, or even more disturbingly as you gaze up at St. Peter's in Rome, because the temple in Jerusalem would be some kind of combination of those two things. Imagine your teacher saying to you, the days are coming when not one stone will be left upon another. Well, what's the point of that? Shocking observation. The point is this. In light of Jesus risen from the dead, everything in this world falls into a secondary category. It's not to deny its value. The temple was beautiful. The U.S. Capitol is beautiful. But don't get beguiled by the beauties of this world. Rather, be beguiled by the beauty of Jesus risen from the dead. The resurrection has a way of putting everything else into perspective. The right attitude as we look to Christ is one of detachment. Value the world for what it is, but don't give it a hyper value. Rather, look to Christ. Watch for Him. Wait for Him. God's justice is arriving. God's new world is breaking in. And now order your life around that perception and let everything else fall into place around it. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries serving the Catholic community since 1837.